Good morning. Welcome to the Orchard. I'm so glad you're here joining us, whether you are in the house, live online, in your car during the week, on YouTube, wherever you may be, we're so glad you're with us today. And it is such a fun, I love the Orchard. I mean, I was telling somebody, I want to retire here if you'll have me. Like, I, I, I just love this church. I love who we are. I love who you are, most of you. And no, and uh, I just love being in the orchard. I don't know if you've noticed, but, but God is moving in our midst. God is growing us as a church. And October through around March is our busiest season, so to speak. We get into the fall and we get packed in here. And July and August are always our lowest and least attended months. They're our slowest months. Now, I don't know if you've known this or can tell 10 o'clock, but um, we don't have a lot of room. I was just talking to somebody out, out there, and they're like, we didn't have hardly, we couldn't find a place to park. We were, he, he literally said, and I won't mention any names, Chad, that he wanted to, uh, he goes, we're going to have to park illegally <laughs> at church. Don't worry, it's, it's on sin in repentance today, so we'll, we'll get to that, okay? Um, if you look back at the history of the orchard, and I did, I'm sure that you all do this every week, I could see that July, our lowest month this year, was higher than any non-Christmas or Easter month that we've had, like ever. Well, yeah, that's awesome. God is, in August, we continue to grow, and this means that in November, it's going to be packed, and we're not going to have much room. Already here at 10 a.m., I mean, look, we are packed. We, the, the parking lot is packed, and uh, there is not much more room out there or in here for many people. Now, when I say that, you're like, well, come on, man, there's room for me, and I, that's what matters. Like, that's how we are, right? Like, I got my seat, and I got my spot, I got my cappuccino, I'm good, but, but the orchard is not a country club. We're not, I know, I know, the exits are back there if that disheartens you. We're not a country club just for us to come and be comfortable. We are a gathering of people who come together from very unique experiences and backgrounds under the unity of Jesus Christ. And we come from all walks of life, and we walk in here under the unity of what God is doing in our lives. And for us to be the church God is wanting us to be, we're going to have to make some room. He is bringing more people into this building, into this, into this place, growing us both here and online and wherever that takes us. And the question I get a lot is, well, well um, when will the church be big enough for you? And I always just go like, well, it was big, big enough for you. We let you in. And not only that, our area, our region is 96% unchurched, which means there are a lot of individuals out there that you work with, maybe you live with, that you know, you recreate with, who don't know God. And who could benefit from a place like this to come and know Jesus and the life through him. In my 20s and 30s, I, you know, lived out in the, in the big city with big church. And we did all the mega church things. We went to the conferences on church growth. And they have whole conferences that teach pastors like me how to grow a church. All these strategies. I did it all in my 20s. And I, I made a decision when we started the, when I became lead pastor of the orchard. And that was that we're going to grow when God grows us and how God grows us. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. We pray on Wednesdays. We pray throughout the week, but Wednesdays at noon is our prayer time for you right now in this place. We, we're going to preach the truth. We're going to worship. We're going to have fun, and we're going to let God bring in those that he would like to bring. Our church strategy is, is really simple. They don't do conferences on this because it doesn't sell very well. We're going to be who God asked us to be and leave the growth to him. 
That's our growth strategy. We're going to be who God asked us to be and leave the growth up to him. And he continues to do that. Just last week, I was introduced to somebody. It was their first Sunday. And I don't know if this may be your first Sunday. And if, if you've been going to church for a while, you forget how hard it is to walk into a new church. Just some week, just for fun, I say, go to a new church. It's terrifying, you know? Now, we walk in here with all these anxieties and what's going to happen. And I met someone last week who, just last week on their first Sunday, received Jesus. And the weeks before that, I met somebody else who came, sat with you, and received Jesus for the first time. God is, is moving in this place. That's just, those are just one and two stories of, of what God is doing in our midst, both here and through what he, who he's reaching online that we really have no control over. So God continues to grow us, and I want to state that we as the orchard, we will adjust to God's move. We are a church that values what God desires more than our comfort zone. What God would one of us as, would, would want of us as a church, we will adjust to, even if it's difficult. So attendance numbers, attendance, it's just numbers. But for me as a pastor, here's what I know. Every number is a person. Every person has a soul. Someone that Jesus loves, died for, and rose again for. So it's not the total number, that there's no trophies in that. It's not the total attendance. It's for the one. It's for the one that doesn't yet know him. It's for the one in your life that doesn't yet know Jesus. It's for the ones that you work with. It's for the ones that Jesus died for, for your 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 child, your, your parents, your spouse, your coworkers. I say all this because to make room for all the ones that God is going to continue to bring into this place, we're going to have to make some adjustments. And we're a church that makes adjustments for what's comfortable for us based on what God desires. And because of that, we're going to adjust our 10 o'clock and 8.30 service times. Starting October 1st, so we have a whole month, we'll keep talking about this, our service times will be 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Some of you are thrilled. You get to sleep in an extra half an hour. Like, oh my goodness. Like 10 is really tough for me. Some of you are like, well, 10 a.m. Is, is actually later for me. Here, here's what I want. And here's as we prayed through this, sought God's wisdom, and, and checked out every, every option of what we could do. 8.30 a.m., they are diehard. They're in here. But we've discussed it with them that 8.30 is a tough time to invite their friends and guests to. Uh, they, they do admit that 9 o'clock is more of a growth. They can invite people to it. Also, as we move to 1030, everybody in here has to adjust. And I'm asking about 100 to 150 of you to adjust to the 9 o'clock service. Now, hold on. I know. I mean, whoa. I know. I know. It's tough. But we can do hard things together, right? So I want you, I want you, have to, you don't have to say it now but I want you to pray about it. And I'm asking you to make the adjustment for, not, not for me as a pastor, but for those who don't yet know God. I want you to make the adjustment to 9 a.m., some of you, for the people who will sit right where your seat is right now, who will park in your spot right now, and who will come to know Jesus in the next six months to a year. I'm asking you to make room for the one. We are a church that can make hard decisions and leave our comfort zone if, for the vision when it's, when it's great enough and big enough. And we're not doing this for any other reason than there are people in our community who need Jesus. And so I need about 100 to 150 of you to say, you know what? I can be here at 9. 
I can be here at nine. So that starts on October 1st. I'm gonna give you a good month to pray about it. We're gonna keep talking about it. And, and listen, I just wanna tell you, this is a good thing. You're like, why is he punishing us by changing the service? This is a good thing. God is moving. God is, God is doing great things in our church. And we have so much more that we're going to be doing as Pastor Dan kicks off community groups and all these other things that we have plans for this fall. So these are good and great things. Now, that said, we have a sermon to get to. And today's sermon uh, is convicting. Today's sermon is one of those sermons that I don't want anyone in here to feel condemnation, like, oh, I'm terrible. I want you to feel God's call to be different. And I know we show up from a, every different, unique experience and spiritual journey and background, and you're here today with your journey and your background for this. God has something for you. And I'll start with this statement. Spiritual growth is a choice. Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. Like, you don't coast into spiritual maturity. The same way in marriage or in a relationship, you don't coast into intimacy. You don't accidentally develop a healthy marriage. Now, you may think your marriage is all healthy and good because there's, there's no conflict, or, but, but if you're coasting, when you coast, which way do you always go? Downhill. We always coast the easiest, the path of least resistance. If you're coasting in marriage, you're not climbing into further intimacy. If you're coasting in character, you're not, well, let's be honest, we coast into less integrity. If we're coasting in our spiritual life, I'm not coasting into greater maturity. Spiritual growth is a choice. And some of us here today, you might be on the first week of your spiritual life with Jesus. Like you have your spiritual journey, but you may be a, a newbie, so to speak, and, and you've just started this journey of learning what it means to, to love God and love people. Others of you, you've, you've been, I mean, you're a veteran. You've been through church stuff. You went to youth camp, you know, you threw a stick in the fire. You raised your hand at some point. You walked down the aisle. You did all that. Some, you know, we're, we're such a spectrum of people here. But for those of you who've, who followed God for any amount of time, it could be a year or decades since you've come to know Jesus, and, and you've learned about him. Through sermons and worship services, you've come to know your preferences. You've heard from much different and better preachers than me. You've, you've been through a journey to get here. And hopefully, you've grown, grown through the basics of what God would have us. God intended our spiritual life to mature and to grow beyond just milk. And the Bible talks about this, how, how there's spiritual milk for us. And, and then when we're a new believer, we, actually, when you see a baby... They drink milk. It gives them everything they need in their infancy. Babies are born, but what, what about a baby? They're intended to grow up. They're intended to grow. And God desires that for our spiritual life as well. God desires that we would grow. That at some point, we spiritually would stop just drinking the milk and start to feast on the, uh, and chew on the greater things of God's truth, to begin, to, to, begin to, to, to chew on the reality from God's word that character matters, that sin and holiness are important to God, to, to chew on that, to begin to dine on the depths of God's word and how it challenges our hearts to adjust, to begin to put the milk down and eat from the plate of self-sacrifice, to actually follow God even when you don't want to, or it's not easy. Those are spiritual maturity indicators. Spiritual growth is a choice. 
And for many of you, your spiritual rebirth was beautiful. You were a spiritual infant at some point, and you were cute in your newborn ways, but as time passed, many believers don't grow beyond our baby ways. And it's not cute anymore. After years, after decades, if we're still the same, it's not cute. It's concerning. God wants us to grow spiritually. We can come to church for years. You can go to church for decades and never leave different and never grow beyond where you are. And so I want to ask you a question today. How much spiritual growth have you actually had in your life recently, in the past year? How are you growing spiritually? How has God challenged you to make adjustments to your character, your holiness, to to grow in who you are spiritually, to dive into his word? And you can see there's been spiritual growth there. For some of us, it's been quite a while and nothing has changed. And I just want to remind everyone here that coming to Jesus is not a destination. Salvation is not the finish line. Salvation is the starting line. God did not save you from something. He saved you for something. See, we believe that God may have saved us from something bad someday, but God saved you for something great today, for his purposes, his ways, that we would leave these four walls and go out and live a life where other people would see us and how we live in love and they would see him. That's what he wants. Because what does spiritual growth do? Spiritual growth changes your perspective. You see people different. You see the those and thems and the people you have a problem with, the enemy. You see everyone different because you begin to see people through God's lens. You see finances different. You see business different. You, you have growth that changes your marriage because it changes you. You parent different. Following Jesus is a journey that should fundamentally transform who we are. If we're not transforming, are we following If we're not being transformed by God's truth, we need to look up and see what we're following. Following Jesus should, be, should change how we behave, not because we're into behavior modification, because following Jesus should change who we be. It should change me fundamentally. You see, God didn't just, again, save me from something, he saved me for something. To be changed and transformed, to go forth and live a life worthy of the calling that he's given me. So I want to look at this parable today. The parable that talks about spiritual growth and challenges us and challenges the people of Jesus' time to grow. Now, you may have heard this parable before, those of you who've been in church, and, and here's the challenge with any parable. I heard that. I know all that it means. If I ever look at a Bible, and when I, when I open the Bible, if I assume I know what it means, then I'm, I'm already going to miss anything new God would show me. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal new truth to us. So even if you know this by heart, you can have an experience with God and his spirit and leave transformed. It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered it across the field, and some fell on the footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Another seed fell among the rocks, and it began to grow, but it soon the plant wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and, and choked out the tender plants, and still other seed fell on the fertile soil. 
And this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times what had been planted. When Jesus said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, I always wish I was as good as Jesus. I would just stand up here and tell a story and go, whoever has ears to hear, understand. We're done. That would be so great. But Jesus is preaching here to these large crowds. He talks about a farmer, a sower, someone who's sowing seeds. He talks about some seeds. He talks about these four types of soil and how they fall into these things. And this parable is so often called the parable of the sower or the parable of the farmer. But I believe that's mistitled. Because the parable isn't so much about the farmer or the seed. Those are the constants in the story. The variable is the soil. And the soil represents the hearts of the people who are hearing. This should be better titled the parable of the hearers or the parable of the soils. Because today, just like back then, that's who's going to be challenged with this parable. Now, I read a parable like this to you, and, and perhaps this is one of your first times hearing it, and you're like, okay, it's a farming parable? Like, we're not much into farms, you know? I play Minecraft. I kind of get some farming in on the weekends, but I, that's about it. Like, we don't understand all this, you know? But right here, Jesus, he preaches this, and we're in good company if we don't totally understand it, because look at verse 9. His disciples asked him, like, hey, Jesus, what did that mean? Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus turns to them and he says this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed is the word of God. It's the truth of God's kingdom, which is being spread by who? By God himself. That he is spreading his truth into the lives of people. He generously sprinkles it throughout humanity. And we, the soil, that's us. We receive these seeds of truth. Now, I want to give you some fundamentals about soil. Soil is meant to grow. The purpose of soil is to grow things. And if our heart's soil is not growing a crop, a heavenly crop, then we are missing our divine purpose. Our heart's soil is meant to grow God's goodness, the fruit of God's kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to have those things growing out of our lives. The soil in this parable, if it's our hearts, it's, it's the condition of our heart. Our hearts were created. They were designed to receive God's word and to grow something at a potential way beyond ourselves, a hundred times ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves, let's stop right here because this is the question. What's my heart like? What's my soil really actually like? Do I have good soil, fertile soil? If, when God's word lands in me, is it producing these crops of his goodness? And if not, then we need to ask why. So the question today is, and it's convicting for me all week, is what is the condition of my heart What's the condition of my heart's soil? The first place God scatters his word, it fell on the hard path, it says in verse five. A farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered it across the field and some feed seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And he tells them the explanation in verse 12. He said, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from being saved. It falls on a hard, calloused heart, hard-packed path. 
that has been worn down. There's no break in the soil. The seed sits there and the, the birds can swoop down and, and grab it. God's enemy says, not, we're not going to grow anything here. There's no spiritual growth here because it is hard-packed, resistant to God's growth. This person is, is far from God, but this is still someone that God loves. You may know one of these people. You may be one of these people. When you hear God's stuff, you're like, oh, this again? This God's stuff? God calls us to not only love, but be compassionate to everyone, including those who want nothing to do with God's word. In fact, this past week, Amy and I were moved to go help somebody who was in a life crisis. Have you ever known somebody to go through one of those once-in-a-lifetime life crises where it all comes together and it's just the worst possible scenario and everything's falling apart? And we, there, there was a friend of mine who I've known uh, in the community and uh, her and her daughter were in a place that was dark beyond measure. And this person, she, we're, we're good friends, and she is just as honest. She's an East Coaster, as honest as it gets. I'll wear my Love God, Love People shirt, and she goes, hey, I hate both those things. I love her to death. She's so honest, so real. <laughs> and, and her past woundedness, she's been wounded by the church so deeply. I don't even justify, like, I, I just say, I'm just so sorry that happened. I don't even try to talk her out of it. it. Her experience is horrific in how the church and how God's people have hurt her in the past. But this week, she is in a life crisis beyond measure. And God impressed on Amy and I, my wife, that we need to step in beyond just professional and like acquaintances and, and, and go meet her. So we, we showed up at her house and she was just so grateful to see a friendly face, um, her and her daughter just alone in this situation. And we walked in and um, they were packing up to emergency move out of the area. We talked about her circumstances and then uh, the hard road that she was on and maybe what God has for her, oh, not God, what, what, what is ahead for her as she leaves this valley? And then, and then we pulled out an envelope of money and some gift cards that God had uh, asked us impressed on us to give. And um, I said, this is, from, this is from the Orchard Church. This is, this is from people who, who love you and God loves you. And we know you have a hard road ahead and we want to see you get to the new season. So we hope this helps you get to what God has for you next. And I mean, it was overwhelming, unexpected, um, very needed. And I'm not, I'm not sure I will ever see her or her daughter again. As Amy and I drove away, just talking about it, I was like, I, I really, truly hope I see her in heaven someday. I don't know what God's gonna do in her life, but as she moves to where she's going, I just pray and I trust that God has people like us there waiting for her to continue where we have been planting seeds and loving on her. And finally, she sent me this one final text. She said, uh, in this final text, she goes, I may, need, I may need you to send me one of those T-shirts when this is all over. Orchard, we are called to love people and be compassionate. To someone who even goes, I hate both those things. That doesn't disqualify me from helping and loving. We are called to go forth and be his church and be his hands and feet and love those, even those who would say, I want nothing to do with it. The next soil is the one that we want to look at very closely today. It says this in verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and they receive the message of Jesus with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, 
then they fall away when they face temptation. Or another way it says that when they face testing. Rocky soil. Let's look at this soil. Let's look at this heart. Here's what I need you to see is what soil it has is good soil. Do you see that? It says when the seed falls, it grows quickly. It hits good soil. This person, has the soil they do have is good. But notice that this soil is shallow. The bottom line for the rocky soil is there is hard places in there below the surface that never let the root go down deep. It's, superfi- it's superficial. So while there's good growth and there's joy, oh man, I, I love this stuff, it soon fades. Now, Rocky soil and good soil are very similar from the outside. In fact, I personally believe if the church is guilty of one thing, it's of a bunch of rocky soil people getting here and acting like we have good soil. Because on the surface, it all looks good, doesn't it? And we come in and shake hands. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. How are you? I'm fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? God's blessings are new every morning. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, like we, there's an inauthenticity when it comes to rocky soil. It looks good on the surface. It looks just like good soil. The only way you can tell the difference is by what it's producing. The Bible says this in um, Samuel 16, 7, that, that humanity looks at the outside of people, but God looks at the heart. He sees the condition of our soil. He sees the condition of our heart. And Luke 8, 13 says, the rocky soil receives God's message with joy. This is good stuff. I like this. There's an emotional response here. It puts down what roots it can, but the roots are not good enough to strengthen it. This soil is high emotion, low devotion. Man, I love good worship. I love good music. I love it when it's good. I love life when it's good. High emotion, but devotion kicks in when life is hard. See, there's not intimacy with Jesus. Not pursuit of his word not changing my character, adjusting my life based on the the things he's asking me to do. It's fun. It's good. And I enjoy the benefits of it. But the verse continues. It says, it finishes like this, but it has no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. This person loved God's message, loved, loved God and loved people, loved the Jesus stuff. But when life got hard, when temptation or testing, when, when difficult things hit, there was not enough root to sustain it in the storm. We've had some hard storms lately. You've seen those tender shoots or those things that don't have the good roots. They just get annihilated. And I believe that American churchianity, if we're guilty of something, we are guilty of this. We have built a church on shallow soil. We've built, here's what it means. I, I hear a lot of this. Um, Jesus doesn't want me to struggle. Jesus wouldn't want me to be unhappy in this marriage. Jesus doesn't mind my sin so much. Like this isn't, this isn't that big a deal. There's bigger sins out there. Mine are, mine are just okay. Uh, Jesus wouldn't want me to be sick or poor. And, and I've seen the American church thrive on this message. There's one giant problem with it. It disagrees with God's word. You see, Jesus was poor. You read the New Testament about Paul and the people, just the hardships they had to face. The sickness that the saints went through. Read the end of Hebrews 11, where it talks about the saints who were killed and pulled apart and all the horrible things that happened to them. Go tell them that Jesus wouldn't want them to be unhappy. 
as they're giving their life for the faith. You see, life circumstances lead us to heartbreak. Strong marriages don't, aren't birthed on and, and built on happiness. They're built on hard work and love. Commitment. Struggles are a part of our life. Listen, shallow soil has these verses they love to quote. Let go and let God and all these things. And, and, and again, this one, like, God wouldn't want me to be unhappy. I just want to say once again, if you ever hear yourself say, God wouldn't want me to be unhappy, so whatever you're about to say, don't do it. Whatever it is you're about to say after it, don't do it. Go, come talk to me. Come talk to somebody. God wouldn't want me to be unhappy in my marriage. So, no, 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 no. Whatever that is, just stop right there. Because here's the deal. We use God as our get out of bad situations that we've created for free card. And not only that, we're not unhappy because of God. We're unhappy because our character has crumbled or we've made bad decisions and we're using him to get out of it. Spiritualizing it. Here's another one. Shallow soil is miserable because it's behaved itself into a situation it's trying to spiritualize itself out of. Sometimes the unhappiness we're in is because we made bad choices. Shallow rocky soil produces a bit of spiritual growth at first, but it's the fun, it's the good. But when life gets hard, it doesn't have the root to sustain it. Oh, remember how we used to show up and just get touched by worship and the word and how we would cry and just and all those things? But, but the unhappiness of our life has caused us to question if God's even there. The danger is we blame God instead of seeing hardship and circumstances as natural opportunities to lean into him and have further spiritual growth. Shallow roots don't sustain us in the storms of life. Have you ever noticed that when a child is young, if you have a young child, you notice this, every single child is one balloon away from just a meltdown. One pop away, you know, pop. Or, or you're out in the parking lot and you see that kid and you get that balloon. Every time you see a balloon go up, look down. You'll find a meltdown right there. Every child is one balloon away from a meltdown. And it's immaturity. We get it. Our spiritual lives Many of us are one life circumstance away from spiritual and moral meltdown. You have the right circumstances go bad. One diagnosis away from spiritual meltdown. One failure away from moral implosion. How shallow is our faith that when the time of testing comes, not if, but when, our deep, we don't have deep roots to hold us in the midst of the storm. So, so I want us to get authentic here. One of the strengths that you've known, if you know me, I'm telling you my story. I've told you my stuff. Like, let's get real in here. Let's get authentic. Has there been a time in your life where you believed that God, you believed in God and all seemed okay? It was good. You did the God thing and you did your part and it seemed like he did his and it was fun and it was happy, it was rewarding. But then circumstances got difficult. A diagnosis, a temptation, Moral failure, relational failure, financial failure, and the faith that we once had fun with didn't sustain us in the hardship. Have you noticed that? It's easy to have peace when things are peaceable, but when you get the diagnosis, does the peace of God from the roots in faith hold you? These are important questions to ask. 
the God we believed in at times, it can seem like he is gone. He's not even there when the circumstances are difficult. If that has happened in your life, it's an indication that a storm swept through your life. It was probably intense. It probably had all the reasons why it was so hard and difficult, and I get that. But your roots were not deep enough to hold. And that's an indication of rocky soil. I want us to be okay admitting that. I don't want to be the church where we just pretend we all have good soil. Can we just admit we have rocks? We have hard places. We have places in our life where we don't want to let God in or we don't trust God in or we, we have sins we like to hold on to. Can we admit honestly there are places we, we, we just aren't willing to let God into? It's too difficult. Are, are there prayers that you can't even pray anymore because he hasn't come through yet and I'm not going to hope again? At the orchard, we should be able to admit where we are and who we are because we want to move beyond that into deep faith to remove the rocks that are in our life. So what are these rocks? There's, there's, I'm going to skip so many illustrations of what these rocks are and just skip down to. One of, the, one of the major rocks in our life that causes rocky soil, and this isn't fun to talk about, but it's more fun to talk about than money in church, right? So that's okay. And that is unrepentant sin. Sin that is just habitual, private, pet sins that we protect. Now remember, if we're a believer in Jesus, his grace covers us, his salvation covers us. His, his grace doesn't, sep um, it doesn't separate us. Our sin doesn't separate us from him, but our sin could separate us from the life he's calling us to, being fulfilled. It might keep us in rocky soil. It's that secret pet sin that we like to protect that no one can see above the surface. It's good soil on top, but below there's this place where no one gets into because I like this. What's the correct spawn? Hey, have you guys ever dug up rocks, by the way? I, I dug the fence in my backyard and it's kind of in between here and Glenwood, I guess where they put all the rocks in the area. And so um, my, my, my neighbor gave me this thing called, it's, it's a big metal spike bar and you put it under a rock and you have to pry the thing. Have you ever taken a rock out? It's difficult, hard work. I know why they people, people to put in fences. I'm never doing it again, ever, ever. I mean, it is, it was, I mean, just pry, it is so difficult to remove rocks. Look at our life, look at your life. It is, removing a rock from our soil at our house is easy compared to honestly removing these hard places from our spiritual life and our moral life. Those pet private sins that we love to hold on to how do you remove them? Confession and repentance. Now confession, we, that's, that's telling God, I am in sin here. Confessing it to him. And, and his word says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from, from transgression. And repentance, what is repentance? It means turning from the way we are going toward his way. We confess, God, I, I know I've, I've wronged you here. I know this is wrong. I know this is a hard, rocky place I'm protecting. I confess this to you, and I want to turn and repent. There, there's another element of confession that is so difficult when it comes to rock removal, and that's confessing it to somebody else. I mean, there's nothing more terrible. Hey, turn to your neighbor and tell him your sin. Ugh, that's how you grow another church, you know, by saying that in this church. <laughs> we want to shrink 10 o'clock? Let's start there. Tell your neighbor your sin, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it, there are relationships where you can shed light on dark places. 
If you don't have these relationships where you can be honest, that's a place where you need to move into so that you can grow spiritually. And in the fall, as we unveil our community groups and small groups, that's a place to plug in, men's groups, women's groups, to have honest conversation. I've been in church before and I've I've sat and listened to a message and I've been convicted to tell somebody, to to confess. But I've realized by the time I stand up, shake hands, talk out there, talk about the Broncos, then get in my car and drive. By the time I get home, I'm like, that's not that big a deal. It's, it, I, I've missed the window. So you know what I started doing? If I'm feeling convicted, um, I will pull out my phone and text that person and say, hey, I need to talk about, insert the issue. I need to talk about this. I'm busy now, but let's talk later. And then I'll get home and go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have wrote that. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. And so for some of us, it's, it, it's when God convicts and you have that, that little window of being honest and, and courageous. Send the text. Make the call. Get with the person. Have that moment to remove some of those rocky places from our heart. It is so hard to remove rocks, but man, it creates room for God's roots to go deep into our life. And so perhaps today, that's what you need to do is go talk to somebody in this room. We'll have prayer people up front. You can, or text somebody, whatever it would be for you. The final rock we'll talk about in these places is uh, for those of you who've been deeply wounded in your past, And this is a hard one. You see, because in a room this size and those listening, there are some of us who have been just in our our childhood, in our past, completely taken advantage of. And there are hard places in our past that nothing gets through. For others of us, we have been been wounded by religion or religious people. Uh, Some of us just been life circumstances, have jaded us and, and allowed us to carve out hard places. Our, our soil is shallow and rocky because we refuse to, to let God into those places where we've been hurt. I have hard places in my heart that I don't let anyone have access to, let alone God. I've been there. I remember my 20s, I was so idealistic. I went off to Bible college in Texas, then went to Atlanta and did the mega church thing. I'm at this, this church and I'm living it the best I can. I'm being a minister. I'm, I'm getting married and, and, and I'm, do, I'm doing the right thing. I literally had this deal with God. I thought it was a deal. It's, it's not true at all. That I do the right thing and then you protect me. Like I'm gonna do things all right and then you're gonna make sure things go right for me. You're gonna keep me from illness, keep me from, from, from bad things happening. And then bad things happened. And, and, and I found quickly my world unraveling, even my health. They told me for a couple of months, they, I thought I had this autoimmune disorder that is fatal without cure. This is brutal. And then, uh, then my finances, I was left with a debt beyond my control. Relationally, I, my closest relationship absolutely betrayed me. Emotionally, I was low as you could go and still have a pulse. And there were times I didn't know if that was gonna keep happening. Spiritually, on life support. Like, yeah, I believe Jesus died and rose again. But you want me to trust God with my life? I, I did that. I trusted God with my life, and look what happened. You want me to walk back into that? We had a deal. I do my part, and then he does his. And look what happened over here. Everything I had wanted and worked for is gone. And that, that season took me a long time. I had hard parts in my heart that no one could touch. I would never trust God again. I remember saying, I will never go into ministry again. I'll do anything but work in the church again. And I love God. 
but I'm going to love him at a distance because when I was doing it all right and I was close with him, he let me down. I'm not gonna, I can't trust him with my heart anymore. And through a decade of, of, of seeking God, small at first, a decade of, of some, some counseling, decade of having honest conversations around a fire pit with other guys, I mean, and, and through God's spirit asking me to step out and be courageous, I began to grow through some of those things. And here's what I really learned about God. He will never force you to remove your rocks, but he will, in kindness and gentleness, call you. And for me, is he handled those wounded places. It brought great healing. I mean, I don't know if you know this. I work in a church again, right? <laughs> so today, Orchard, those of us who have rocky places in our heart where God's word can't put roots down because we have private pet sins or woundedness that we do not trust him with, today's an opportunity for us to look at that and maybe, maybe, to begin to, to offer those up to him. God, this sin, God, these wounds, I need you in this place. Perhaps you're here today and you feel some of this. I wanna let you know that as you courageously with the rocks and he helps you, the rocks in your soil, on the other side of that is deep roots of faith, peace that holds you in, in, in absolute chaos, Roots of grit that hold you through the hard nights. Roots of love that hold you when you're lonely. Roots of joy that sustain you in the sadness and depression. Roots of character that can hold you fast in the face of temptation. So Orchard, we don't just want to be the fun church that's shallow with good soil on the surface. God's calling us to be a church of deeply rooted people who know his word and who are willing to make difficult adjustments in our lives so that he can do that. And today, he's not going to force you, but he's going to offer you once again, what are the private sins that you need to text somebody about, talk to him about, confess to somebody and repent of? What are the woundedness that you need to finally begin to acknowledge and say, I need help here? As the, the band comes up and we move into a song called I Surrender, this is our song for communion. God, I surrender. I surrender these places that I've privately held. I surrender them to you. And our prayer for you all week is that God would give you the courage to lift them up to him. Father, I pray for everyone in the, in the earshot of my voice that your spirit would gently give us courage to surrender the hard places of our hearts. We are holding back from you. Lord, so that we can grow beyond it and experience deeply rooted spiritual truth. I pray you'd be with us in this worship and in communion as we once again remember Jesus and all he has done for us. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have any other questions or need support, you can contact us at theorchardlife.com. You can help us by liking and subscribing to today's podcast. And we pray that God blesses you.